we're in the season of Advent, uh, which is a season of waiting. And none of us like to wait. When we talk about waiting uh, in whatever context in our lives, it's almost always negative. And we don't always deal with it very well, truthfully. Uh, rem remember a story uh, from some folks in our church long time ago. The, the, the kiddo in this, church, uh, in this church was a preschooler. One of the, you know, the, the little boys that always said cute stuff. You know, you know, just always like, what's the update this week? He's an adult now with children of his own. It's really, that's really depressing. But this story I, I love. He, um, he was with his dad in the car. And you know, sometimes when we're waiting for traffic, uh, we, being dads, maybe all of us don't deal with that very well. So dad got frustrated that the traffic wasn't moving, cars weren't moving very fast, and so sort of just kind of blurted out, move, idiot, to the car in front of them. Little ears hear those things. So mom now, uh, a couple days later, mom is with the same little boy in the, sh the, the, the shopping center at Kroger or wherever. Uh, and they were in another line waiting for the carts, cars, carts to move. Uh, and they weren't moving very fast. It's called the checkout line, right? So the little boy stands up in the cart and says, what you expect, move idiot to the cart in front of them. Uh, Dad slept in the doghouse that night. We don't like to wait. It's almost always a negative thing for us, but Advent invites us to think of it differently. It invites us to take this in-between time and sit there. We don't like, we want to get to the thing, and Christmas is coming. Yes. But Advent invites us to, to recognize that life doesn't always come to a quick culmination that, that we're going to end up having to wait for some things. And so why don't we transform that waiting time into longing time? Why don't we transform that waiting time into prayer time? Not just at Christmas time, but in the waiting periods of our lives. That waiting can, itself can be transformed and be, can become a time of preparation. A time for us to be ready when the time comes to participate in the things of God. It is a time for us to recognize and really come to some of the most basic things that we, that we need to know in life and, and to shore up those things. And today's message, I think, is an example of that. We're going to talk about something that we talk about all the time, and it's the, it's the kind of thing that we kind of all think that we know. Today's Advent theme is love. It is kind of like what we do, right? In Advent, we'll talk about faith in a couple weeks. Last week, we talked about hope, but as Paul said, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is like our bread and butter. This is our jam. This is what we know and what we think we know. Advent's a chance for us to, to drill down on these kinds of things. And I hope at, at the end of our time together, we'll, have, we'll share in communion, but I hope that you will be reminded of the power of this thing that we think we already know all about, which is love, as we wait for that love to show up in person. And that is what we cultivate in Advent, an awareness of God with us, or the with us God, Emmanuel. And Jesus fleshed out the implications of that uh, in his, his life and teaching. That's, that's a play on words a bit, because we, we call that the incarnation, love in the flesh, God in, God in the flesh, God in person, love in person. Jesus fleshed that out in, 
in living his life, but also in his teachings. And one of the things that we're doing in this series is we're pulling together some of the teachings of Jesus that maybe haven't been brought into this time and kind of recognizing that this is actually all throughout the, the, the ministry of Jesus. And so the, the, the opening line, the, the lead-off words of his, his teachings in Matthew's Gospel, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the list that we now call the Beatitudes, begins this way, begin, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the lead-off words of the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus gives us then a long list of the kinds of people who are blessed in this life. You could easily just say uh, the kind of people who find out that they're happy in life. Uh, and a quick glance at the list makes it abundantly clear that's not what we would expect to find on the list of things that would make us happy in life. Not, not a group of people we would typically put into the happy bucket. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek. The message version of the, of the Bible takes that first line and says it this way. Blessed are those who come to the end of their rope. Yay. Not what we would expect. And so Jesus is obviously not describing our world as it normally works. The world that we know. The world that we encounter as dog-eat-dog, dog, which if you look up in the dictionary, uses words like this, competitive, cutthroat, everyone for themselves, and merciless. Merciless. And Jesus then says, blessed are those who show mercy. It's, it's, just, it's just, there's a disconnect from the world that we know and the world Jesus is describing. If your kid gets punched on the playground, you don't want them to be meek. You want them to stand up for themselves. The world we prepare our kids for rewards kindness, confidence and decisiveness and winning and success. Jesus is definitely not describing the world as it is. So what is that list? I mean, it's right there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right at the beginning of the sort of the, the lead off of the teaching of Jesus. What is, what's he getting to? Well, maybe he's doing something else. Maybe as we read that list, it becomes maybe a checklist for us to figure out how we can be blessed, hashtag blessed, you might say. And uh, find so that in eight easy steps. Become poor in spirit. Become meek. Become merciful. Become a peacemaker. Become persecuted. One way to read the Beatitudes is this list is this. You just do all those things. You become that. And you will be happy. You will have arrived at happiness. For the longest time, that's maybe how I would have read that list. I would, you know, kind of go through line by line and ask yourself, how can I be more merciful? How can I be more hungry and thirsty for righteousness? How can I be more pure of heart? And the Beatitudes, that list of, of the teachings of Jesus, can be a checklist then, a measuring stick for holiness. But what we discover is that some of the things on the list kind of work, that, work out in that framework, and some of them definitely don't. Some things we should aspire to and some we shouldn't. Even more, using the list that way is actually, I think, just a way to tweak the world, the doggy dog world that we live in, the one that finds success and makes that a spiritual success. And okay, now I know how to be a spiritual achiever and create a spiritual self-improvement plan to earn our way into God's good graces in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. But I don't think Jesus is getting that either. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. And the reason why we chose this scripture for this day is something else. So if Jesus isn't telling us how the world is, and if he isn't 
giving us a checklist of what to become, then what is it? Well, what if the Beatitudes, what if the, the, the heart of the teaching of Jesus is instead describing the world transformed by God's presence in it? In this series, the With Us God, we're considering the possibility of what it means that, that love shows up in person. This, of course, is basic Christian stuff, right? Jesus in, is, is God in person, love in person. But what if the Beatitudes are a hint at revealing the power of just how powerful that kind of love is? The thing that we kind of think we know. What if he is helping us understand that it is way more powerful than we even imagined? What if he's describing love that is so powerful it can take some of the worst experiences of life and transform them into experiences of grace and healing of hope and joy and what if the 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 purpose of sharing that list is to help us just raise our expectations of what love can do now um i this is a word that we use a lot right love right we talk about how much we love um tacos and how much we love our kids and we use the same word to describe all of it And yet, even the way we talk about loving each other can kind of be just sort of the thing that you're supposed to say because that's what we do. And in Jesus, we discover love at a level that we, well, we just didn't even know was possible. That God is showing up with this thing that is literally the most powerful thing in the universe. Not only so, but it's doing that in ordinary situations, in ordinary people's lives. It's a very human thing. The Beatitudes is a list of very human experiences when life kind of doesn't work out, when you, when you find yourself mourning loss, when you are a peacemaker, which really means you're kind of stuck between two things and you get caught in the, in the middle, when you find yourself not pulling it together spiritually, <laughs> all of those experiences that we all know. And that, and that's, that honest recognition is, is, a, is actually a great place to start. Life doesn't always look like we expect it to. One of my favorite Advent stories gets at that tension. We have had it today in the, um, the, the Advent reading and uh, 20 some odd years ago, as maybe, maybe 16 years ago, we were asked to be the Hall family at, at our church and we were standing up in front of everybody with our beautiful our boys at the time, two boys instead of two girls, but they were uh, dressed up like you know, your children were beautiful and our boys were very cute and handsome and we're standing up there at the mic and I'm beginning to read and just as I start to talk Isaac I'm holding him here and I had my hand on his belly and I felt him move things moving and right into the microphone he belched the loudest burp imaginable and it's hard to recover the church service when an 18 month old burps a man burp into the microphone. I mean, it's just kind of like, how do you come back from that, right? Uh, the, the Beatitudes speak to a world that is not ideal. You get all polished up, and everybody's dressed up, and the kids look cute, and then life happens. What then? And Advent speaks to this in-between time, which we like to get to uh, kind of the culmination time. We want to get to the, and, and claim and hope that Jesus is, is, is enough for, for this world and that Jesus has come in silent night and all of the things. But what about the in-between time? 
before we get there. What about the unresolved time? What about the hard times? What I think God would want us to know is that love in person is enough for those times too. That love in person, love up close, transforms each of our situations, each of our circumstances, each of our lives. And that this is not far off from us. This is not unattainable for us. That in fact it's come close in Jesus and then is lived out in us through Jesus. It is just that simple and it is just that powerful. Perhaps what we need just is a reminder of of just how powerful. That in the person of Jesus, heaven and earth begin to overlap and then because of us, because of that in us, it happens in, in, in us too. That heaven and earth begin to overlap in this world through the love of Christ. Everywhere Jesus went, the love of heaven went with him and it started invading this earth. And then he turned that loose in us. So we don't have to wait for the circumstances to change. We can hold in that space the love of God, which transforms those circumstances. And so the Beatitudes paint a powerful picture of what indeed was already happening in Jesus and what will happen in us. I want to share a couple stories uh, about that simple fact helping hopefully uh, us feel that, and then we'll come to communion. About a year ago, in fact, it was uh, right before the the tornadoes. Uh, You know, as as you know, we had the tornadoes here. We also had them in in Mayfield, Kentucky. And uh, one of our members is from Mayfield, Missy Cunningham. How many of you know Missy? Missy was happy to share her story with us today. Uh, But uh, Missy's father passed away the week before the tornado. So you know how it, how it sometimes is, the, the things begin to stack up. COVID, and then her father's illness, and then her father's death, and then a natural disaster, all on top of each other. Actually, a few of us went to Mayfield on the Wednesday before the tornado for her father's, Missy's father's visitation, and then the night of the, the tornado, I saw that it, it had happened. I texted Missy and said, are you okay? We were texting in between the times between when they had their tornado and we had ours. Missy is, uh, has been for over 10 years volunteer extraordinaire at, uh, at, at Broadway. She can kind of do it all. She works with the kids at our Greenwood campus where she attends. She oversaw our, um, our room in the end ministry where we had homeless folks staying here at the church a couple times a month. She literally kind of has had her hand in, in various things. Missy, if you know her, is kind of an upbeat, kind of an upbeat person, is, doesn't even begin to co- cover it. She is over the top. She's one of those people, I mean, I love her. She can be too much sometimes, right? And she knows it, which is, which is awesome. And yet, as she experienced the death of her, her father and then the, the, the tragedy stacking up, it took the wind out of her sails. And um, she, she told me uh, when her dad died that she was daddy's little girl. Um, her life would never be the same. And then over the next few months, uh, it didn't get better. It kept getting worse for her. Uh, And so uh, she finally decided she needed to ask for help. And she reached out to Pastor Joe. uh, And uh, Pastor Joe set her up with a Stephen minister 
And our Stephen ministers are people who walk alongside us. They're people who go through hours and hours of training, ordinary people walking alongside ordinary people to be present with them, to be love up close with them. And she, um, so she got a Stephen minister, and this is what she writes about that. I can't honestly tell you what this person, what about this person struck me so close in my soul, but she did. I did not tell her anything any different than I had told anyone else. I didn't cry any harder, it, but it was just different. She became the person that I bared my soul to as if I were sitting with an old friend, not just someone I just met. Her presence her voice, her spirit became a healing, soothing balm to my broken spirit. The Stephen ministers are people who walk in the pure light of Jesus. They personify Jesus' light in some of our darkest times on this earth. You know, in a, t in a time where we kind of have been disrupted, it is helpful to come to stories like this that remind us of the simple power of being intentional about Love up close, love in person, finding ways to do that for each other. This is what we do. This is our, this is our jam. This is, this is the thing that we have to offer each other and to the world. And it is enough. It is powerful enough. The love of Christ up close and personal with us then offered in thousands of ways to one another as we serve each other, as we find our place of service in this world, as we offer that up in whatever we do, whatever our job is, whatever our circumstances are. And that's true not just in, uh, in, in um, structured ways, but in the very ordinary relationships of our lives. So I want to share one other story. Some years ago, I came across a story that inspires me and truthfully humbles me as a husband it is a reminder of what we actually mean when we say we're here to love each other, what that actually looks like. This story is about romantic love, but it is from an unexpected source. And what translates is not just the romance, but the intensity of the love that you're about to hear about. When we use the word love, we're talking about sometimes a very watered-down and shallow version of the kind of love that you are about to hear about. Real love, real love in person, among ordinary people, can be the most beautiful and transforming thing in life. Danny and Annie Parasa lived their entire lives in Brooklyn, New York. You're about to hear Danny's voice because he recorded uh, uh, his story of his love for his wife Annie on NPR's um, sto StoryCorps. And they, you know, it's just a booth in Brooklyn where you can go and tell your story. And what happened uh, out of him doing that is then StoryCorps picked the, their, their, uh, their story up and they, they went around the country uh, becoming an example of the, the power of, of ordinary people living their lives with the intensity that you're going to hear. I wanted to share the, the, some of that audio because, um, because you hear it in Danny's voice. Now, he's from Brooklyn and he's an old guy. So you're going to have to listen well. But um, Danny Parasa proposed to his, uh, his Annie April 22nd, 1979. Um, and um, he found a way every day from that point on to express that love to his wife. He wrote her a letter every single day. And in 2004, they celebrated their 25th anniversary 
by going into that StoryCorps booth and telling of their love story. And so you're going to hear the first part of that now. And uh, every year on, on April 22nd, around 3 o'clock, I call her and ask her if it was today, would she do it again? And so far, the answer's been the same. Yeah, 25 times yes. <laughs> you, you see, the thing of it is, I always feel guilty when I say I love you to you, and I say it so often. I say it to remind you that as dumpy as I am, it's coming for me. It's, it's like hearing a beautiful song from a busted old radio, and it's nice of you to keep the radio around the house. If I don't have a note on the kitchen table, I think there's something wrong. You write a love letter to me well, every the only morning. thing that could possibly be wrong is I couldn't find a silly pen. To my princess, the weather out today is extremely rainy, I'll call you at 11.20 in the morning. It's a romantic weather And report. I love you, I love you, I love you. When a guy is happily married, no matter what happens at work, no matter what happens in the rest of the day, there's a shelter when you get home. There's a knowledge, knowing that you can hug somebody without them throwing you downstairs and saying, get your hands off me. And it, it, Being married is like having a color television set. You never want to go back to black and white. What a, char what a character, right? StoryCorps says that their motto is uh, this, listening is an act of love, and that Danny and Annie came to personify that for them. The, the eloquence, the grace, the power, and the poetry in the words of people you don't, wouldn't expect when you meet them on the street. And then they say this, Danny falls squarely into that category. You might not have noticed, but he wasn't a super attractive dude, right? A bald gnome of a man, in their words, with a near toothless grin, but then this, one minute in his presence, and there's no doubt that Danny Parasso radiates more romance and authenticity than all of Hollywood's leaning men put together. In early 2006, Danny Parasso was diagnosed with a, a fast-growing terminal cancer. And so uh, they sat down and recorded another interview, now knowing that Danny was going to pass away in uh, 2006, and uh, this, this story aired on NPR on Valentine's Day, 2006. Listen to this. There's a thing in life where you have to come to terms with dying. Well, I haven't come to terms with dying yet. I want to come to terms with being sure that you understand that my love for you up to this point was as much as it could be and will be as much as it could be for eternity. I always said the only thing I have to give you is a poor gift, and it's myself. And I always gave it. And if there's a way to come back and give it, I'll do that too. Do you have the Valentine's Day letter there? Yeah. My dearest wife, this is a very special day. It is a day on which we share our love, which still grows after all these years. Now that love is being used by us to sustain us through these hard times. All my love, all my days, and more. Happy Valentine's Day. I could write on and on about her. She lights up the room in the morning when she tells me to put both hands on her shoulders so she can support me. She lights up my life when she says to me at night, wouldn't you like a little ice cream? Or would you please drink more water? I mean, those aren't very romantic things to say, but they stir my heart. In my mind, 
in my heart. There has never been, there is not now, and never will be another Annie. Danny Farassa reminds me that that's all we have to do for the people around us. And, I, and uh, there, there's some uh, more to that story. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, you may know, died on the 4th of July, almost as a way of sealing uh, what they lived for, the independence and the freedom and ideals they lived for. Danny Farassa died uh, the day that interview was aired, Valentine's Day, 2006, one of the world's great lovers. And Annie read his Valentine's Day letter every day for the next 15 years until she died in 2021 of COVID-19 at the age of 79. Blessed are those who mourn because it means they had something worth having in the first place. Blessed are those who know love in person because it transforms every situation and every experience of our lives. Happy are those who know that Christ is that love in person, who find that as the foundation of their lives and then offer it to one another in acts of love and grace to the glory of God. And as we come to the table today, we look on the bread and the cup in this way, God's desire to be up and close and personal with us in every circumstance, transforming even the worst of the worst that we could offer up into the very story of salvation in him. We are reminded how God himself took on flesh and blood and came to us as love in person. And as we eat and drink, heaven invades earth once more in us. Let's prepare to share in Holy Communion together as we find the words on the screen in the great